Hi, my name is Warner Lewis. Thank you for joining me for Creating Home, a weekly podcast exploring what different successful individuals have done to allow them to find their physical, emotional, and spiritual home. We'll discuss their individual journeys, including disadvantages, roadblocks, adversity, and dead ends, as well as their strategies, successes, and support, which allowed them to overcome obstacles and thrive. Welcome to this episode of Creating Home. Uh, I've been waiting for weeks to have our guest, Deanna McFadder, on. She actually was mentioned to me by one of the most incredible uh, women I've met, Tatiana De Maria, who did an earlier podcast and uh, started in my mind as a rock goddess, and by the end of it was an astrophysicist. And I love people whose stories don't conform to what you think they might be. And Deanna is 100% that. Uh, I will give a quick overview and then she and I will jump into it. But Deanna was a a superstar high school basketball player who was recruited across the nation, but grew up in Ohio in Big Ten country and somehow ended up at West Point, which is not the jump off you would expect. And went from there into big data which is another jump off you might not expect and is now out there uh with her own company nachi and the elevator statement of combining the power of design data science and storytelling to influence decision making and transform organizations so i am so excited to get in this in this conversation because i love um books that you can't read by their cover and diana is that and diana thank you so much for joining me today and um i look forward to understanding the the sort of inner reservoirs of strength that you've had to get you from ohio to west point to where you are today and uh and help our listeners maybe figure out ways to create their own own home in the manner that you have amazing what an intro i'm excited to be here we're obviously in a very weird place in the world today. And uh, this is called creating home. And even though it's not about the physical idea of home, I'd love to touch on where you're recording from and sort of where you've been over the past eight months during this, during the pandemic. Yeah. I'm recording from, from Brooklyn. Um, And I've been here most of the time. I took uh, about six weeks off and visited my parents in North Carolina, right outside Charlotte. Um, but I've been, you know, hunkered down in Brooklyn uh, for for the full duration, really, of the pandemic. Um, and and it's 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 where I live uh, full time. You know, f- uh, again, your story is just it's so interesting, and 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 I love. And sometimes the universe, I, I, I have a tough time with God, but I at least uh, do totally believe that there are things bigger than me out there. But I do remember our first conversation. Um, I was driving out to Connecticut when it was literally the first time we'd spoken after trying to touch base for ages. And right after getting off the phone, there was a car in front of us with a West Point sticker on it. And I was like, okay, I know that this is going to be good. <laughs> the universe is saying that we're supposed to speak. But I'd love to sort of you know start at the beginning. And growing up in Ohio... You know, playing basketball and, 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 you know, what 
you know, other, other, what were the big aspects that allowed you to take the mammoth leap of, of not going the traditional route with basketball and going to West Point? Is it, was it family? Was it a mentor in high school? Just sort of, you know, touch about on your, your upbringing and what kind of brought you to West Point, which I think is a fascinating thing. I can't wait to get into a little bit later. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely start with my family, uh, my parents, uh, and then I have two siblings, an older brother and a younger sister. Um, one, just incredible examples of resilience, you know, courage and character. And so um, I was a very independent kid. Um, and I also grew up with just a kind of unspoken expectation that you were going to be well-rounded and you're going to apply yourself fully. To whatever you take on. So, you know, I was a three sport athlete, even though I liked basketball the most um, and was recruited to be doing two of them, you know, in college. Um, and so, and, and then academically I excelled as well. Um, and, and so I was just always pushed to, to, again, use every ounce of effort that I had <laughs> um, to do my best truly. Um, and, and my parents had a knack for just like towing the line on pushing me, but never feeling pressured. Um, and so that gives you a tremendous amount of confidence as a kid. Um, and, and my parents are both, you know, blessed also with, you know, they're super intelligent and, and my dad's really athletic. So even though he didn't really play sports growing up. Um, and so I, I had that going for me. Um, and so I think that because I, um, I trusted kind of the gifts given to me and, and my family had set me up to be um, just as good academically as I was at sports. It kind of meant that I had lots of different options and choices and lots of opportunities put in front of me, which is how West Point, West Point, you know, was thrust on me versus me kind of seeking out some other places. Um, and then on top of that is, is I do have an incredible amount of faith. And I did even then, you know, as a kid um, and, and my faith, I would say has been, um, reorchestrated as an adult, but as a kid, I, 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 without question knew there was something bigger than me. Um, I knew I was meant to be a part of something bigger than me also. Um, and that, you know, I needed to figure out what that looked like, but I was always listening to, to that, you know, for me, God shows up in my intuition. Um, and so I was always in tune to that, um, of, of what felt right and what didn't feel right. Um, and so I think those, those two things overwhelmingly, um, were, were the, the tipping points, right. That, that pushed me into an experience, right. My parents moving to Ohio, growing up in the South, but settling in Ohio so, so that we could have a great public school education and get exposure to things that, that we wouldn't have otherwise, um, is why I even had West Point as an option, right. It's why West Point even, I was even on their list, right. I, I was ranking high enough. Um, academically to even qualify. Um, so, so yeah, so that's a little bit of, of what, what even gave me that perspective, um, even as a teen. Just to dig into the, how you ended up at West Point. I mean, I am an avid sports fan and I remember from our call, you know, the realizing the level of basketball royalty you were to be with the, I don't know how many people who listen to this and know the Sullinger family, but I don't think it goes much deeper in Ohio basketball than that family. And, uh, you know, you were at, you know, on whatever recruiting list there might be, you were there for the, the Purdue's and other schools like that. What, what were the schools that were looking at you? And, and you told me briefly about the story about what 
made Wet's point stand out, but I would love to hear you know the, the schools that were looking at you, and then really what it was that told you, you no, know, this is I, I'm taking. Everyone says I should go left. I'm going right here, and I'm going to West Point. Yeah. Um, so yes, it was very Big Ten heavy. The Big Ten's changed now, so I don't even know which schools are in the Big Ten anymore. <laughs> but um, it was uh, Purdue was my number one choice. Um, uh, Michigan State, Iowa, um, and then and then Florida came in to play only because um, the coach from Purdue, Carolyn Peck, she left. You know, so she recruited me, was ready to go to Purdue. She left and went to Florida. Um, and so those were the big school, you know, the big name schools. Um, Purdue being my first choice because it was also an amazing school academically. Um, that's why they were in the lead. Uh, and West Point was only on the list because what the so so as a recruited athlete at that time, um, and I was in high school from 96 to 2000, you can get one call a week you know, from each school that's interested in you. And so it's actually, as a high school kid, you know, you're like 15, 16, 17, you don't want to talk to some random adult that you don't know. Like, it's not fun. Um, and so most of the coaches, and I actually didn't like and still don't like talking on the phone. Um, and so, and it was before texting. And so I was not necessarily looking forward to, obviously I was thankful that these colleges were interested in me, but I wasn't looking forward to the like weekly obligatory call. Um, but the coach from West Point was actually from Ohio. The assistant coach that recruited me was from Ohio and knew some of the same people. So she could speak from, you know, a real place of um, commonality um, and experience to me. And so we actually had things in common. So I actually looked forward to speaking to her. So I probably spoke to West Point more than I would have otherwise, purely because of that. Um, and I was more interested purely because of her um, who's, you know, she ended up becoming one of my closest friends. So, so that, that was how West Point really got on my radar. Um, and, and, and why I then, you know, decided to give them a shot. You know, obviously giving someone a shot that, that I'm trying to think of a, of an example of the difference basketball wise between Purdue and, and West Point. I, I guess, I guess it's <laughs> like, it's won like the national championship, like two years yeah, was, it's it's like, you know, like Google's going to give you a job or Time Warner <laughs> Cable, maybe just in basketball circles. And you said Time Warner Cable is the way to go. But again, not to, to at all disparage West Point basketball, but there's just a divide. And yeah. but but the, the thing is, something spoke to you. And as you said, your faith and and this relationship and, and you also described to me, you know, just being on the campus. And when you when you were there, something something clicked for sure. I, I think, I think something clicked. Um, they also did a very good job of my, with my visit. Um, and I was with someone that again is still one of my best friends today. Like we were the top two recruits. She also could have gone plenty of other places. She ended up being the all time leading scorer in West point women's basketball history. Like her record was only beaten maybe two years ago. Um, so this is who they brought me in with and we clicked, right? Like we're the same caliber. Um, she was from New York. You know, we we had we had just very similar experiences, and so then bringing us in together, I think, helped. You know, because I had then that camaraderie from the from the get go. But also, I think I was I did have a dream of potentially going to the Olympics, but there was no really pro basketball roadmap. 
um, for women that I thought was realistic. And, and I'm a person that does my research. So I also looked at what professional basketball players were making. And so for me to make that my number one priority, and I was going to make all my decisions based on basketball, um, just didn't make sense. Right. When I looked forward and I was that kind of kid, you know, that wasn't just looking at what, what's going to be my college experience, but I was like, how is this setting me up for my future? Um, so I think that, that also really helped West Point. Um, and because I was also looking at Ivy League schools, um, you know, cause so, cause I knew academics was really important to me. And I, even though I didn't know what I wanted to do in the future, I knew I wanted to set myself up resume wise to be able to have lots of options. Um, so I think those things helped West Point quite a bit. Um, and then obviously it then became a completely irrational, I'd still call it rational, but from anyone from the outside, a very irrational decision when I just was like, this is where I'm going. And so they were my first official visit. You get five official visits as a um, division one recruited athlete. Um, and they were visit one and I canceled all my other ones. I was that sure. You know, it's, it, it's amazing to me what you just described, because I think of myself as a 17 or 18 year old who was you know, at a totally different athletic level, trying to figure out where I might want to play D3 baseball. And the ability to plan five, 10 years ahead and to to not just be fighting a daily esteem battle day in, day out, just to keep my head above water. It's, it, it's amazing to hear you speak about, and obviously it comes from family, from faith and and just obviously a, sort of a level of excellence you've kept yourself to that even at such a young age, you were able to take a very long-term view, not just, hey, you know, <laughs> I've, I've heard recruits going somewhere because I really like the color of the uniform. <laughs> it's been like, that simple. I, I look great in gold, like great. Oh, that, that, that's one way to make a decision. But, you know, I think that this will lead into to to why data is so such a, a big draw for you because you love the clarity that, that it brings. But it just still is, is amazing to me because, you know, you hear the stories. I, I remember, I think his name was O'Donnell Foyle, who chose to go to Colgate to play basketball, even though he was a McDonald's All-American because his, uh, I think his adopted family was from up there and it was a great academic experience. And he just, he made that choice. And it was, everyone was just like, I don't know who was recruiting, probably Duke and Carolina and everyone couldn't believe it, but it made sense to him. And I know I've, I've sort of kept track and, and he's had a, a wonderful life, but it just, it worked for him. And obviously for you, you just knew, I mean, when you take one visit and cancel and say no to Purdue and Michigan state and Florida, and like that is a very strong sentiment. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd love now we've, we've gotten to, making the decision to go going to West Point. And I'm sure that you being very um, data-driven, research-driven, you've done your homework. What were the expectations showing up as a, was it a plebe? Is that year one? Yeah. Yeah. A plebe. A plebe. Yeah. A plebe and, then, and then what was the reality? Oh, okay. So I actually, so when you are a recruited athlete at West Point, um, they do a pretty good job of giving you a community before you get there, right? So you are connected to all the other um, players that are coming in at the same time. Um, and so I I was okay. I was also a very confident kid. So I was independent, but also really confident. Um, and so I wasn't worried physically. 
You know, like based on the the few physical tests that you have to do, if you're also an athlete, like if you if you meet the division one athlete kind of standard, you're good physically. So if I took all the physical stuff in isolation, um, no problem. The the trick is it's all the physical at the same time as the emotional. Um, and so that's what really gets to you. Um, you know, so it it's that's what I wasn't prepared for. And there actually is no way to prepare for it. Um, so I don't have anyone in my family in the military. Um, so like I didn't have any, I didn't read up on it beforehand. Like this is this is this was a bit of my 17-year-old naivete, you know, of just like I'll be good. <laughs> and I was just overly confident, you know, what I mean? and thought of just the physical part. Um, and, and, and honestly I did fine. Right. Like I, I actually did pretty well on all, on all of the, the first summer stuff. Um, but it's so funny. I did get dubbed, um, which I found out later as like the deer in headlights. Cause I have pretty big eyes and, and my eyes were like, you know, fully open for that for six weeks and I did not relax. And so um, after those six weeks, like a couple of the upperclassmen that were in charge of me, like they laughed and said, like, you never relaxed your eyeballs. <laughs> you know, like it was, <laughs> it was, you were deer in headlights all the time. Um, cause you're just on high alert at any moment. Someone could yell at you or tell you you're doing something wrong or, um, and being someone that wants to do things right. Uh, you know, and that's most people at West Point. So, so you're, you're high strung for six weeks straight and you, aren't getting any sleep and you're performing higher than you've ever performed before. And, um, so, so I would say that because I had no, I, I really didn't have any idea what I was getting into just being real. So, so the, you know, you mentioned your confidence and I, I'm always interested of sort of the nature nurture, um, when it comes to a lot of things. And, and one of the big ones is confidence and, you know, where do you think, do you think that, that from family, from athletic achievement, from academic achievement, from your faith, like those four things gave you a leg up? Or do you find that you were naturally someone who just said, okay, I, kind of regardless of the situation, I'm smart enough, I can figure it out. I got this. Yeah, I would say it's both. Um, and so I think I have double that, you know, because my family is, the re is who told me I was smart. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's my mom in particular that was that demanded that I that I show up in a certain way and encouraged me when I was whatever, naturally testing in a certain way when I was a little kid, you know, um, and set that as an expectation that I then had to meet or exceed. Um, so I think that for me, it's it's without question. It's both both sides um, have given me kind of that confidence. And it's just the example. Again, in particular of my mother, you know, being a black woman um, that born in 1950, who like she was a black computer engineer, female, like which there still aren't very many of those. <laughs> so just the the uniqueness and the strength and confidence that just emanated from her without me knowing. Right. So, of course, we we our examples are our parents or the people that are the adults that are close to us. And so without having to articulate it into words, that was my example. Um, and, and for her to endure what she was enduring every day, but to, to, to still be a warm and loving mom that had a certain standard, but, but love was never in, in like it, there was no shortage of love. I think that mix, right. Is now what 
I can easily point to it as a very specific thing on the nurture side. Um, and, but I do think that I have just, you know, having spoken to friends and, and seeing other people and even my siblings, I do think I have a extra amount of confidence innately as well. It definitely comes through. And that was the first thing Tatiana said. And that's one badass saying that you think I'm a badass. Wait till you speak to Diana. Um, and it's, Definitely true. And I just, it's fascinating to me because, you know, the, 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 the ethos or the, the mind, the, the thought behind this is, is figuring out how different people get to a place from which they can have their launching off point and to really create the life that they want. And what I find so fascinating with, you know, the majority of the people who've come on is where they are and who they are, are maybe not the who you would expect and to have that you need to have an inner reservoir of courage and strength when the world might tell you to go left to go right and not even question it and um and it's just you know there's it's it's i love i am so glad that you told that story about your mom because you know i there was uh someone who's the head of uh, merchandising at warhol who had a single parent household and he would, he was on an earlier podcast and he was asked, you know, what, what does your mom do uh, for fun? And his answer was, um, I don't know, maybe nap because she was working three jobs to get them through on her own. And it's amazing the uh, impact that parents can have good, bad or other. And it's something that I think about, all the time. And I think I fall short sometimes of how I want to act in front of my kids, but you've just given probably the most sterling, sterling example you can of the impact a parent can have on a child in a positive way. So that is awesome. Props to your mom. Yeah. So now we're at West Point, you know, you, after six weeks and realizing, okay, I didn't, I didn't know everything coming in. Um, what were the next few years like at West Point, I, I don't. I, how did the basketball career go? I know there were some injuries, and did yeah. it match your expectation, or did it exceed it, or, or, or and what did you learn about yourself in the you know the biggest uh, grind possible in college? From a basketball point of view, um, no, I, my pinnacle was definitely in high school. Um, so you know, again, my my I would argue that my high school team was better than my college teams. Um, now my college teams actually were really good, but that's just how good my high school team was. Um, so, you know, the, um, you know, we had a coach at the time that, that, uh, wasn't a fan of people like me. Um, and so it never really worked out. You know, we were never quite in sync, even when I was a starter. Um, you know, it just never, we never clicked in the way that we should have as a, as a head coach and a point guard should have clicked. Um, and so I, yeah, and I also had a couple of hip surgeries while I was there. Um, so I had to sit out a couple of seasons. Um, so, so my, my heyday from an athletic point of view was definitely in high school. Um, but I wouldn't trade the experience. Um, like the closest friends that I have, a lot of them are, are my teammates now. Um, you know, so, so I, 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 I can't trade it or ask for it to be any different. And because my last year I was basically a coach cause I didn't play, so I was trying to prepare for the army because I, because of my um, surgeries and that enabled me to have a completely different relationship with the team. 
Um, you know, because I was really, I was in a co coaching capacity. I wasn't the manager, you know, I wasn't picking things up for people. I was basically a coach, but I was still on the player roster, but everyone knew I wasn't playing. Um, so that was that experience. Um, but, but the, the, the major kind of, um, inflection point for me at West Point was, um, September 11th happened, you know, while I was there. Um, and so at West Point, you, you actually, yeah, you come on your first day, but you commit, um, the first day of your junior year. So if you decide to, to, to show up and go to school, that's when you actually owe the army back for your education. Um, so within the first two years, you can actually leave anytime you want. Um, and it's, you know, free credits from West Point, which is pretty incredible. Um, but if you make that commitment and, and you do, you do your actual oath, um, going into your third year. So September 11th happened while I was a sophomore. So in my second year. Um, and so I, I went in with a very different international landscape than, than, than what happened, what was the reality once I was there. Um, and so that changed everything. Uh, and, um, my class, uh, you know, had some big decisions to make. And, and so I went through that entire experience, um, was able to, you know, do just well enough militarily. Like I did well. Um, I did pretty well academically. Um, yeah. So I was on the Dean's list academically and at West Point, you have three prongs to your GPA. So we usually get a point after we graduate because you have your military grade, your academic grade, which is what every other school is, and then your athletic grade. Um, so anyway, I was able to do well across those three. Um, and I had my choice from a military branch and from a location. Um, so I made those choices, um, was about to be a military engineer, headed off to Hawaii. And then I found out that I wasn't going to go in, um, that I was going to be honorably discharged because of my hips um, and the surgeries that I had had while I was there. Um, so again, it was a whirlwind of an experience. Um, September 11th happening, it meant that every single person as after we graduated was going to go to war. Like it was a, a fact. There was really no scenario where you weren't going to go into an active uh, war zone where we were fighting as a country. So um, did not expect that going in. Uh, it was basically peacetime, like the Gulf War had ended and it was basically peacetime when I went into school. Um, so, so yeah, that was the most dramatic um, um, thing that happened that really changed really everything in my life. It's affected every single aspect of it as it has a lot of us. Now you've been honorably discharged and now so did you go directly into data? What was the path that led you to where you are now? Yeah, I um I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I had a um a management degree with a systems engineering minor. Um, but I loved math and statistics. So I I had a I got a statistics award while I was at West Point. Um, you know, I was doing some side projects with who you would assume people that like statistics do side projects with if you're in the military. Um, so, so that's the kind of thing that I was doing, uh, on the side. Um, and, um, and so I talked to everyone because I only found out a few weeks before graduation that I wasn't going into the military. So I thought I had at least five years of my life planned. Now I have no plan. So any school that wanted, or sorry, any, um, employer that wanted to talk to me, I went to this military academy recruiting conference. Any of them that want to talk to me, I talked to them. 
And I was the hot ticket because I was an African-American female and I was the youngest <laughs> person, right? So everyone else was at least, you know, six years out from school. And I was this weird enigma, like who is this girl walking around? So I talked to <laughs> everyone. I, I was like, I was every company, you know, that was interested. I talked to them. Um, and in the end, it came down to Turner Construction because I was like, ooh, that'd be a cool job. I can wear jeans and a hard hat and walk around construction sites and be a project manager. So I thought I'd be interested in that. Um, I was talking to uh, the CIA, actually. So that was like a childhood dream. You know, I think lots of people, well, I don't know, have this, you know, you watch the cool spy shows and the spy movies, and it's like, could I be a spy? Um, And so I actually had, I was very serious about potentially doing that. And, And they actually started recruiting me very early in West Point. I didn't know that, but they obviously, that's what they started. They have, they have people at West Point looking for recruits. Um, so the CIA and then, uh, uh, a CPG, Procter and Gamble. Um, and the, I ended up going into insights and analytics. So before big data was a thing with Procter and Gamble, honestly, because they were the most comfortable to me. So I had lived with a lot of uncertainty. Um, and all my friends were going off to war. Like I just needed something that was that was familiar. And Procter and Gamble had actual West Pointers doing the recruiting. So I, I was very familiar with their way. Um, and I was attracted to the structure. It's also the reason I ended up leaving Procter and Gamble a couple of years later. But at the time, they they were giving me enough of the familiar things that made it feel safe for me. And they left it really open. Like I could explore. I could start in this role and then I could go to a different function if I didn't like it. Um, so yeah, that's where I started get, I I started in insights and analytics. Um, so playing really with just quantitative data, doing statistical analysis and trying to get, get, make, make recommendations to the sales team about what they should do differently with all the Procter and Gamble products. Um, and then as the digital world took hold is when, then I became this big data person. Um, you know, the market turned me into that. So when when we talked before, I, I alluded to how much I enjoyed you know, I'm a huge sports fan and I'm a huge fan of the business of sports and Moneyball in particular, I absolutely loved. And I remember when we were speaking before you, and I, I want to make sure I quote this correctly, you, you loved using the analytics to explain the answers to people who wouldn't get it otherwise. I don't know if I did that well, but is that a good encapsulation of why data is so exciting to you? Yeah, I think it's the why behind something. Um, and so I am a perennial dot connector. That's all I do. And I think that I also love like statistics and, and geometry. So I love, I actually think of everything as data. Um, and what the digital world has done is it has made that true for me. Um, so our in- intuition, right, is just a bunch of different data points. Everything that comes into our brain is a bunch of different data points. And we're connecting those dots into a picture, into a thought right? Into an idea, into a feeling. Um, and so that's how I see the world. Um, and so to be able to then apply mathematics um, and advanced modeling to to people, places, and things, um, and to help you get an insight into why something might be happening uh, is is why I do it. It's why, why I'm turned on by it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I love it. Um, and I love it in a personal conversation. And then I love to do it you know, in an application at scale for people as well. You know, again, as a sports fan, watching the teams that have been successful and the change in the past, 
it started probably 30 years ago, but in more recently, in the last 20 or 15. And and it really is a difference in Moneyball distilled it very funnily with the, the conversation around the table talking about who they're going to draft. And the old time scouts are saying, well, his girlfriend's really attractive. So that must mean he's got a lot of confidence. And someone else saying, well, his dad is, you know, six, six. So that means he's definitely going to grow more. Or, you know, he's from Texas high school and this other guy went there. And these are, you know, just extraneous facts that don't really help nail down what might happen versus, no, actually, this is how hard someone throws. This is the spin rate on his ball. These are projections of who he could be like and really bringing in what you're talking about, the analytics behind it and the why someone could become a good ball player versus the old school like you know yeah i'm gonna hire this guy for this job because he went to harvard and that's good enough like no instead yeah. of, this guy has this this set of skills these are what he what he's done before the decisions he's made and it's gonna work out because we have all these analytics on it and it's just it to me i, I don't think i did a great job there describing it but it's just it's fascinating to me and it's time and again you can see businesses with systems and processes that are analytically based, just destroying those that are sort of the old school family office type um, that just make the same mistake and decision over and over and over because it's comfortable. And I think that one of the things I've heard from you is confidence allows you to be uncomfortable and data allows you to explain why to be uncomfortable. So you seem like the perfect conduit for someone who's looking to make changes and 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 walk them through it and to and to take on projects. Yeah, I think I, I, I talk about a couple of things like making one the qualitative quantitative. Right. So it's like my gut is telling me this. Is there anything quantitative that can help inform that? Right. And educate my gut and make me smarter. Um, and so how can we measure things that haven't been measured before? Because what's happened, even those those little examples that you gave, whatever we choose to measure, right? So we're measuring someone's height. We're measuring someone, we inherently increase its value. So there's lots of things that that we've just not measured before. That again, big data has now made almost everything measurable if, if you're if you're touching something electronic. Right. So now you 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 unfortunately have all these things that everyone thinks all of it's important. Um, and so what I love doing is, well, what's what's actually meaningful? You know, what's linked in some way to um to what matters, to the outcome that you're trying to get to. And, and when you talk about kind of confidence to make a decision um, and how data can help people in that journey, um, for me, I talk about the, the starting point for someone is you have to want to go somewhere new if you want to work with me or one of the companies that I, you know, I'm a part of. Because you don't need data. Like you don't need any new data or you don't want to uncover any new information if you're going to the same old place and you're going to take the same route. Right. Like no one uses data, new data to to ride home. Like I know how to get home. <laughs> you see, like so, but but then when I'm trying to go somewhere new, I have to plug that into something that knows more than me. Right. That's what the GPS serves as. Um, so that's what we talk about. Us I I've used that as my own example of who I am. Do you know what I mean? But I can be a GPS, but that means that you have to want to go somewhere new. We're not I'm not taking you to the same old place, right? Um, and so so that is uh but most, a lot of people don't realize that, right? Like they just want you to take them. They just want to repeat something. They just want to do something cool with it. And I'm like, well, that's not what you signed up for. 
we're going somewhere new, which means you don't know the way. You don't know when you're supposed to turn. Um, so, but there's data that I can connect you to that, that will tell you the right way to go. And don't worry, it'll be put in your language, right? And it'll be in a simple to use interface. And even if you take a wrong turn, it will still get you to the right destination. Um, so that's that confidence of it being so connected, so forward looking, always learning, right? That's also what I love about data is that there's always a new, a new nugget, right? There's always a new node that can help make less of the cloud cloudy, um, and, and clear up the skies. So, so yeah, I, I, I could talk for hours about it. So I, I, I can hear that. And that's, what's so exciting is that, you know, you found where you're supposed to be through what looked like a circuitous journey, but looking backwards, it all makes sense. Diana, obviously your passion resonates. Um, it is so exciting to talk to someone who is excited about what they do as you are. I think that that for me, um, that's one of the things that draws people to me with what I do. And I don't think I like my job <laughs> as much as you like yours. And I really like my job. I think you eat, uh, breathe, live data, and you do it from a very good hearted place instead of the big evil, big data um, that we might think about. You, you want to help and make a difference and uh, with your expertise. You obviously Again, you wake up and you're excited to get you hit every day and, and hit the ground running. What would you tell someone out there who's, who, who might be sort of stuck and, and hasn't created the, the, the sort of physical, the, not the physical, but the spiritual home from which they can work from like you have to help them sort of start their search to figuring out where they can end up, where they could be even half as excited every day as you must be? I think first, I think the world tells us that we need to assess ourselves and then have a plan to fix the weaknesses, you know, fix your anxiety, fix whatever it is. And, and for me, it's as simple as actually focusing on what you're really good at and figuring out how, how you can do more of that every single day. Um, and being very transparent, open and honest with what that is. Um, cause people appreciate that. Uh, and I like when people are clear around what they want to do and what they don't want to do. Um, because again, one of the, you know, famous white men on a, on a, on a coin or something said, I think, um, expectations are the root of all heartache. It was one of the, you know, Franklin or Washington or one of those guys. Um, and so if, if instead I can just be really clear, you know, and so therefore I don't set up, set up, set expectations out for people that then leave me in this perpetual disappointment loop. You know, of like, I didn't quite meet what they were looking for and they didn't quite meet what I was looking for. And I think if you just stay true to what actually you're good at and, and enjoy doing, it changes everything. And I wasn't afraid to, to lean into that in everything that I do. Um, and, 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 and I would say the other thing is, I think a lot of people think that they have their work life and then their life life. And I would try as hard as possible to combine the two because who wants to manage two, two lives? So how can you show up in the exact same way in both contexts? Um, how can you align yourself? 
uh, so much so that you don't feel like you have to code switch. Um, and so that's, that's what, what I would offer to some, to anyone that's trying to find, you know, their place, um, and, and, and figure out how they can confidently walk into each day, even though it's not easy every day. Um, but I, I do walk into it with confidence. Yeah. And I, I, I love that you slipped in code switch. Um, but I, 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 what you said really resonates with me. I think that for me and for a lot of other people who've been on the podcast, a lot of their success has come from when they dropped all pretense and just became who they always were, uh, good, bad, or otherwise, and, and, and dropped the facade and didn't have to be two or three or four different people. They just were who they were meant to be. Um, no matter what that means. And um, being open and honest and vulnerable, um, I think it's crazy because especially as, as, a, as a man, that's not ever what you're taught growing up, but it's amazing how empowering I think it is, man or woman or child or anyone, to just be at peace with who you are and to be able to show up and be the same person every day. And when people are able to interface with people who they can trust because there's no need to worry about them being anything other than what they're showing you they are, I think it opens up relationships, it opens up work, it opens up every type of opportunity out there. And it takes a lot of confidence, which for some has to be learned. And I'm one of those. I think you obviously have pretty clearly shown that you had that from day one. But it, it, it's, it's, you know, it really is amazing and life altering when, as you said, you're, you were just, you, there is no code switch. You're the same person from, you know, I was going to say 5am, but I don't get up at 5am. <laughs> let's say 7am till 10pm, uh, because I'd like going to sleep early. Um, and the more you can do that, the more true you can be to yourself and and uh, with others, I think more exponentially your life can grow, especially if you're doing what you love, uh, because people love working with people who love what they do. But Deanna, I, I, I thank you so, so much for taking the time. Um, Tatiana was right. Uh, you are absolutely incredible. You are a guiding light for so many people out there. And um, you, you are just I'm sure such an inspiration for you know, women of color in the same way that, that Kamala is and other people who have paid, who have you know, broken a glass ceiling or are somewhere where you wouldn't expect them to be traditionally in the way that you described your mother and the power that comes from seeing that example. And, um, you know, I'm so excited to have had you on this because you know, I just had um, someone who was uh, African American played soccer at UNC, and, and I and I joked, and it's not a good joke that I'd be the greatest secret agent ever because of my privilege and my skin tone and being a man. I could walk in anywhere, and anyone would expect me to to be able to do or be anything I want to be. And I think it's really important now more than ever that more doors are open. That you know, everyone can see others as what we all are, which is human beings, whether you're men, women, straight, gay, it, do, it doesn't matter. 
we're all the same. And, and that ability to see people that way and to open doors um, is just going to make for a better world for everyone. And, and, and it takes trailblazers like you and like your mother. And, and I just, I'm so appreciative for you taking the time to be here. I'm so um, in awe of you for your journey and to, to have that confidence in a world that, you know, as a lot of times I'm sure told you and your mom um, that you weren't the right fit for where you were. And uh, I'm just, you know, thankful to have had this time to speak with you. And I very much hope that we stay in touch. And, um, and uh, it's just awesome knowing that you are out there uh, in the world. And um, I really, really, really am grateful for your time. My pleasure, Warner. Uh, honored, you know, anytime. Thank you. You uh, get back to what I'm, I know is a busy, busy, busy schedule. And uh, one of these days soon, uh, when things have calmed down, uh, you, me, and, and Tatiana will get together and uh, we will have a rocket time of it. <laughs> I love it. It's a great idea. Looking forward to it. Ha have a great night and thank you again. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Creating Home. While we all face this new and uncertain world, I find it inspirational and reassuring to learn of our guests' journeys from around the country, and I hope you do too. Join us next week as we continue to learn what goes into creating home.